Ladies and gentlemen, this is the place to be. Our lineup tonight features the once PR man and friend of Superman. And if that's not enough to keep it locked right here, we have a well-known actor with us whose mom was actually my junior high school teacher. Oh, the suspense. Come on in. Step in the arena. This guy has made it through rounds playing the style that he plays. He named every one. It's like this guy named all five of my game-winning shots from 2008, 2009. I played with two of the two of the most exciting players ever to play the game. Allen Iverson and Vince Carter. Shout out to producer extraordinaire Randy Cruz. That's right. You are tuned in to Step in the Arena on the Cruise Control Podcast Network in collab with Hard to Guard Media. The podcast is available on YouTube.com slash Cruise Control Podcast, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple. Please like, share, download. We appreciate all of it. And for those checking in live on Twitter or YouTube, feel free to hit us up with questions. My co-host with the most is Edgar Burgos. I'm Bobby C. And how are you doing tonight? What up, Bobby? How you feel? Happy I'm, Thursday. I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna call it tonight here on the on the show. The podcast decision. I'm taking my talents, Ed, to South Beach. I can't deal with another snowstorm here in the Big Apple. <laughs> yeah, I can't take it no more either. I'm I'm so done with New York. I'm so done. And if that's not the biggest news of the night, it has to be the fact that. And I'm hoping those that are tuned in on the audio side will make it over to YouTube to check out these beautiful curtains that you have. (laughs) You know, I've become famous in NBA circles because of my gold curtains. And it certainly looks like you are, you know, kind of tearing a page out of my notebook with these beautiful red curtains. I'm pretty sure Baron Davis is somewhere smiling tonight. Yeah, I was tired of all the jokes every week. Somebody has something to say about my background, so I wanted to switch it up a little bit. That was the best you could muster was was coming up with putting yourself in front of her. At least I try a little bit. I put jerseys up or something, basketballs on the table. Well, hopefully our next guest, he's he's definitely uh, one of the top fashion guys that I know personally. He, maybe he could help me design my background. Give you some pointers here on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good place to start, you know, for our fans that are tuned in tonight. We had a good intro, so you must surely remember our first guest tonight from The Temptations, The Five Heartbeats, Little Richard as a Jamaican bobsledder in Cool Runnings, or perhaps for our basketball junkies as the character Shep in the 1994 drama Above the Rim. Our first guest, actor and singer, diehard Knicks fan, Leon Preston Robinson, better known simply as Leon. How are you doing, Leon? How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm good. How are we doing, fellas? What's happening? How you feeling? I'm good, man. We almost at 500. We, you know, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's, that's that's like winning the conference championship for us. <laughs> no, we, we're playing. We're playing good. I, I'm actually, you know, I don't know. Um, I know before Bobby jumps in so far, like, how happy are you, you know, watching this this season? Well, you know, I'm just happy that we're playing hard and competing every game, even against teams we're overmatched against. We're playing hard. And that's one thing I know about the Tibbs. Teams always play hard. You know, what I hope, my, what my prayer is, is that we have a game plan that we stick to. You know, there's going to be some peaks and valleys. There's going to be some losing streaks. But let's just stay with the plan. Don't get rid of Tibbs after two seasons or something like that, or a season and a half because things aren't working out right. Have a plan. 
stick to it. I was gonna say, do you do um like in past regimes, and uh, you know, everyone knows that you're such a huge Nick fan. Did anyone come to you from like the Nick organization for advice, or did you like volunteer your own advice on what the Knicks should do? Always volunteer my own advice. <laughs> this is New York, man. <laughs> Everybody got opinions. Nobody's asking for anybody's opinion. They're gonna give it to you. <laughs> man, I would see I see see Steve Mills or Anybody, I just grab them. I remember sitting at a dinner with Phil Jackson. It was this dinner where um, I was honorary guest and he's being honored and stuff up in Westchester. And you know, I said, oh, you could sit him next to me? Oh, he's going to get an earful. <laughs> oh, what was that conversation like? Um, well, you know, I had to approach it from a diplomatic point. So I, I just started talking about, you know, some mutual people that we knew, you know, kind of break the ice, whatever. I don't want to just slide in on them on the, on the Knicks right now. I had to, you know, let them think I'm friendly and they come in and ask them some crucial questions. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Excuse me, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have no, said that. No, that's right. fine. <laughs> are we good? Are we good? Yeah, we good. Okay, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Good. You know, speaking of some fashion, Leon, before – tonight's show when we're kind of pre-gaming things ed asked me about this jersey behind me so i'm not sure how many of the fans might know this but of course you're born in the bronx raised in mount vernon and you played college basketball at lmu in la right. so movie magic aside how good a baller are you really how good of a baller yep. was I, was i mean yeah because i strictly well played. either were you or are you now <laughs> now, now, I, I switched over to tennis. Okay, tennis was more grown than sexy, so I switched over. I get the same workout. So, anyway, um, as far as basketball is concerned, yeah, I mean, I had fun. I mean, I was the second leading scorer in the city when I was in high school. I averaged about thirty at the Rucker. Um, played ball in some played some um, some pro ball in Europe for Team Rome. Um, yeah, you know, I put it this way. When I went to the YMCA, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> we were hoping to queue up some cool video here because we got we got actual footage of the jumper. We wanted to show it from above the rim. Looking pretty good. Yeah, you know, spread the spread the fingers, follow through. Spread the fingers, follow through. Fundamentals, baby. Fundamentals. The George Gervin layup. <laughs> the George Gervin layup. If you see, the thing is, right now, it's not really a finger roll unless it has that backspin on it. These kids nowadays don't know about that, man. They don't know about that backspin on the finger roll. <laughs> and it was funny, too, Leon, because last week on the show, we had Smush Parker had, had actually brought up that Loyola Marymount team, and I'm sure our diehard fans would, would recall that this number 30 is Bo Kimball at LMU, and, and just what a great team that was with March Madness coming up. And, of course, the only two players in LMU history to have their numbers retired are Bo Kimball and Hank Gathers. Right, right, right. Both on the same team, yeah. Yeah, you know, that was – that was a, you talk about peaks and valleys. That team, boy, wow. Um. Rest in peace, Hank. 
And Bo, you know, we're friends. I've I played against Bo so many times. Uh, they... Who who back then? Who was like? Um, obviously, you played with a lot of pros back then, or top college players. Who who did you have the most fun playing against? Fun playing against. Fun, fun playing against. Oh, with. Oh. I don't know, man. You know, I was a, I was a, um, a counselor at um, ABCD camp or America camp with Pearl Washington and a bunch of good players. So, yeah, you know, them runs every night were like. <laughs> so, Leon, I told Ed, you know, coming into tonight's show that you actually used to come to my junior high school. So your mom was my teacher all the way back in the day. Well, and, uh, you, yeah, well, PS 175. Do you, do you know you know, do you know Ruben Rivera? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> and um, you know, I I told him, you know, that that you would come to the gym and, and ball out, and uh, you know, this was kind of while you were on the rise in your career at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was there for many years. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll have to tell her that we had a chat. <laughs> you know, in, in terms of thinking back, I guess to your early part of your career, I, I was very interested about, you know, some of those appearances before the big movies. You know, I thought it was interesting, you know, earlier side of your career, you were cast as an athlete in a 1989 episode of the NBA, excuse me, NBC series, Midnight Caller. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that that role kind of opened up the door to some of these other athletic roles that you played? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, it was a guest starring spot on the show, but, you know, back then there weren't a lot of those available to people of color. So, like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people saw me um, as someone who definitely was athletic. That's for sure. You, what I did want to ask you, like, and we, I don't think we've ever talked about this. What made you, one, um, try out for the role of Above the Rim? And how did you get the role in Above the Rim? Um, well, um, let's see. Above the Rim, let's see. Um, at the time, I mean, I, you know, I had um, I had Cool Runnings coming out, and I also had Cliffhanger, which actually made me like, um, as far as African Americans, I, that, that was probably the top African American at the box office. I think I read that with those two movies. So, yeah, I was somebody that they had their eye on, and they'd offered the role. I found out afterwards they'd offered the role to my friend Denzel, <laughs> and. Um, and he couldn't do it or pass on or whatever. It didn't matter. And so they were interested in me. And so I met with them, but they thought I was too young looking. So um, I told them, I said, it's, it's acting. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, it wound up happening. And um, yeah, it was cool. I think that um, I think one of the things I love about uh, Above the Rim, and I'll say this to anybody, is that if you're, if you're really a baller, um, this movie's filled with ballers from top to bottom, you know, and um, and the practice runs before when we were, you know, getting ready to do the movie, it, it, they were hardcore. And so I love the fact that, you know, you, you're seeing you're seeing a story told by actors, convincing actors, too. But yet the ball is real. And Dwayne Martin was one of those guys. He played Division three basketball at NYU and then you know, got a little look with the Knicks. Um, was he your biggest comp in that in that role when you guys would, you know, play some pickup in the lead up to some of those scenes? Um, 
No, not really, because he was uh, he was usually on my team. Yeah, so. Guys, you, it was it was it was you know back then, it, it was it was more about just like you know getting your game on. You weren't really going against anybody, you know. I think I think I think Speedy and um and Dwayne they used to go at it. <laughs> they used to go at it, yeah. But um, you know me, I was in character, so I mean that's the way I, that's where I roll. I, I, I was chef before we started filming. <laughs> I was walking around not saying anything. <laughs> the coolest, coolest guy on the court. <laughs> Leon, do fans ever ask you about Tupac Shakur? Of course, all the time. And what what do you tell them? Depends on what they ask. <laughs> I mean, I guess probably fondest memories of him or working with him. You know, you know, Tupac was he was very boisterous and you know and um and was you know got into quite a bit of trouble while we were filming. You know, he was arrested twice, once for shooting off duty police officer down in Atlanta, the incident in New York, delayed filming. Um but with me, he was he was one hundred, you know, and, and he said it when he first when we first had our first script read through, he came in, he was all loud and everything. And he came up to me and said, Listen, you're not gonna he actually bowed his head, he said, You're not gonna have a problem with me because you are in the five heartbeats. <laughs> <laughs> One of the good, good, great things about, you know, when you talk about Above the Rim today is, you know, you played alongside, you know, Wood Harris, who's now becoming a force in the industry, and uh, Marlon Wayans. Can mm -hmm. um, you just talk about the... Um, one the relationship that you have with both I, I i actually grew up with marlon and i went to school with sean so um i just want to know the relationships you had with um you know with them too especially watching like wood harris you know go through the wire and some of the top movies that you know rock you know, uh creed and when you know what type of conversations do you guys have well not much you know because my storyline didn't really involve them you know, so and like I said, you know, I was, I was pretty much like a method actor back then. So I was like chef all the time. So I was just a loner, you know, I was just like I did my thing and, you know, that was it. I, I mean, my conversations with Wood and Marlon and everything, you know, came after the filming. You know, yeah, so, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. After the film and stuff and we'd see each other and stuff. And I'm always happy to see my brothers doing well, man. You know, like that's, you know, that's what you want. You know, you. When you're seeing people, you know, out on the screens like that, you always hope it's somebody you know and you like, you know, as opposed to someone you don't. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy for everybody's success. I hope I, I want people to do things um, they want to do and fulfill their lives and their careers, and you know, keep it moving. Do you think you get more questions about Tupac or Madonna? You know, get a chance to star in that uh, 1989 video like a prayer do you get more questions about him or about madonna wow that's a good question <laughs> and what was she like to work with she was great fantastic very generous um yeah she was a lot of fun so now i want to um switch it up and put your um general manager hat on and, and talk about obviously the knicks and we already talked about how proud you are um do you think, like, 
let's talk about Julius Randle. Is Julius Randle an NBA All-Star? And should he be guaranteed an All-Star spot? Without a doubt. He's an All-Star by the eye test. He's an All-Star by his impact. And he's an All-Star by the numbers. So do you think that the coaches will vote him in? Um, if they don't, they shouldn't. And um, just based on the fact that we haven't had one in so long, they should just give us one just on the principle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Julie, no, he's 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 playing like an all-star. 100%. I don't know how he could be playing, you know, heck, how can he not be an all-star? I mean, well, I can say, well, let's, let's just, wait, let's just be smart about this, okay? Let's just go over the forwards. Who's who's the forwards in the East? Because that's really what it's about. It doesn't make a difference how well he's playing. So who are the forwards in the East that we know is going to go? Kevin Durant, for sure. Starter. Right. Kevin Durant. Um, who else is coming out of the East uh, in the forward position? Um, Giannis is considered We're actually going to put up the starters here. Yeah, Giannis and, and Embiid, too. And Bradley Beal, the shooting guard. All right. Is that is, is that is that the actual lineup? That's, That's the starting lineup. five. What? That's the starting five. Okay, so the voting's done. For the, the starters. For the starters. Next week they announced the uh, reserves next week. It's nice that Bradley Beal is starting. That's great. Yeah, he deserves that. That's nice. Um. Yeah. So uh, okay. So let's go. So who's after that? What forwards that definitely need to be down? Ben, I, I'm thinking Ben Simmons. You know, he's, you know, he's a guard. He's a guard. Ben's a guard. Who we got, Bobby? Uh, I mean, I feel like there's, you know, tons of players that could make the team. I don't know if they'll all be at the forward position, but I feel like it'll just be a question of spots. Like if there's enough spots, I mean, there's already not that many spots on the all-star team, which is why there's always snubs every year. Oh, yeah, there's always going to be snubs. There's too many great players. Um, let's see. Who, I was going to look up what the what the voting numbers might be at the moment. I would have thought, thought it would have been Siaka, but he's not having that kind of series, that kind of season. No, he's not having a season like that. Yeah, right. And so he was he was supposed to he was supposed to come out and see who else in the East. Um, nobody's having a better season than Julius Randle. No, I mean whoever, maybe somebody more popular. And who is that person? Let me think. Jimmy Butler, maybe. Basically, so Jimmy Butler was a two, so he'll definitely right, make. So it. I I actually got, got the Bam, out, Bam out of bio, Bam out of bio. Yeah. He's a the center. other he's a the other forwards guys or front court yeah front court players at the moment would be, uh, you got obviously Bam, Jimmy Butler both from Miami, Jason Tatum, um, Jason Grant in Detroit, and Jalen Brown. Well, I was gonna say Jalen yeah. Brown's actually been their best player. Gor even yeah. Gordon Hayward and Charlotte's having a good year. Uh, Sabonis in Indiana, those would probably be like the other, you know, maybe five or six contenders along with Randall. Right. For that but, spot. Just on just on the fact that the Knicks are almost at 500 and they might be at five, over 500 by the All-Star break, I feel like guarantees Randall an All-Star spot. Just with, because, on, a team, on a team with, with, with the average age of what, 24? 22. 22. So, I mean, come on, man. He's like He's basically leading them and being consistent. That's what I can really say about he's being consistent. He's giving us 24, 15, 12 every single night. So, and Leon, there's actually some in the organization that believe that Randall 
will be part of this nucleus moving forward and actually part of the young core that will will stay with this Knicks team. But do you think it's possible that since his stock has never been higher, that the Knicks might actually consider moving him at the deadline? Um, well, put it this way. Our, our past Knicks most definitely would have done that. You know, every time we start liking a player, they get rid of him. You know what I'm saying? So um, I hope not. Um, I, didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off, Ed, by the way. Yeah, no. yeah. Um, I, I hope not. But, you know, the, the problem with that is we don't know what's presented to them. You know? I, I think I think they are going to at least pick up the phone and consider offers for him. I hope that they don't trade him because I think he fits in very well with what they're doing, obviously. And uh, I thought, it, you know, I thought it was interesting. I mean, you see him put up 44 points this week and, you know, that bested his previous high at 35. And, you know, for our diehard Nick fans out there, as you mentioned, we really haven't had much to be that excited about in the last few years. Do you know who the last player was to score 40 points for the Knicks before Julius Randle dropped 44? Da, na, 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 na. Carmelo? <laughs> nope, not Carmelo Anthony. A much more obscure Nick, but a pretty pretty good player. Just uh, Dotson? Nope, but close. The correct answer is Trey Burke. I was, I was March, about to say Trey Burke. March of, Trey March of 2018 Burke. against the Hornets. Dude, I can't pay for the Knicks to get him. <laughs> no, I'm serious. When he was in, no, he when they when they were, he was in um he was on the junior league. Team. I'm like, yo, dude, you got to bring this kid up, man. This kid is gets buckets. He's doing well down in Dallas. Yeah, he's uh, playing. He's a player. Well, but yeah, he yo he yo he gets buckets. Now, one of the main things, obviously, you know, um, you got another team in New York City called you know the Brooklyn Nets. Um, do you watch them much? Are, are you happy that you know they're winning, or do you even care too much about the Nets at all? And while I'm watching them as as we I'm doing this interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, of course I care. I mean, I do. I'm a New Yorker. Okay, so to be perfectly honest with you, I'm a Yankee fan. But if the Yankees don't win at all, I love the Mets to win it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm a Knicks fan. But shoot, if if if, if the Nets are gonna win the championship, that's the second best thing that can happen to me. You know, we've had like. some guests on that have said otherwise. You know, like if they root for the Nets, they're not rooting for the Knicks and vice versa. Listen, the Knicks, I hate to break it to anyone, the Knicks and the Nets have never been rivals. Facts. They've never been rivals. So what are you trying to create a rivalry for because they're in your same city? I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, but you got to admit right now, even if the Knicks are playing well, it's still the, the vibe across the NBA is that we're probably going to see a Lakers-Nets final. Um, Yeah, that's what people are saying, yeah. Which means right now they would be the Kings of New York. Um, yeah, but I mean, you're projecting something that's not even all-star break. I mean, last year, you definitely weren't saying Miami was playing the Lakers in the finals, right? No way. No way. Last year might have been, you know, Leon might have been tough, man. With the bubble, bubble changed everything. I think if there's no bubble, I I think the Bucks probably reach the finals. Again, it's hard to, I don't you know, know. I don't forecast know. that. It's and again, it didn't that. happen. The Bucks have not shown me that when the game slows down in the half-court game, that they can um, execute. 
you know. I, I totally agree. And that and that's what you have to do in the playoffs. It's a half court game. That game slows down drastically. All this scoring we're seeing right now, and that's that's really the problem that people are, are seeing with the Nets is that okay, this is fine right now. They put 140 on you easy with that offense. They're not putting 140 points in you in the playoff game. They're not doing that. Okay? You're going to have to play defense or you're not winning. Okay? Tell me an NBA team that was a championship team that wasn't in the top tier of defense. Well, if that's the case, then the Nets might not even make the finals. <laughs> well, and, no, and that's that presently constructed. You're absolutely right. Because they, they gave away an important part of the defensive piece, which is Jared Allen. Okay. And so, um, you know, now they got an unbelievable scoring crew where you have, what do you have, like uh, six out of the last eight scoring championships by um, Durant and um, Harden. <laughs> Harden, right? Mm -hmm. And we all, and Kyrie Irving takes more shots. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> He takes, you, more, he takes more shots than both of them. I was gonna say when you see like you know you hear like the whole rumors with um, with Andre Drummond obviously not playing and they're looking to either release him, trade him. They're trying to figure it out before the trade deadline. And the same thing with Blake Griffin. Do you see either one of those players coming to the Brooklyn Nets, or what teams do you think they should go to? Mm, Drummond's interesting situation because he can be very effective when you get to the playoff time and you play in that half court game. Um, Been an all star. Oh yeah, no, 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 definitely, definitely. I mean, shoot, Drummond, Drummond would be one of those players that you know would be um, his competition, Randall's competition for an all star game. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where either one of those guys should go or would go. Um, surprisingly, I think that um, Drummond could go down to Miami. That would be a good place for him. They need a center. You know, that would give them – well, they have a, they have a – he's actually the center, but I'm saying if you had that guy – that could really just anchor that defense and rebounding, you know, when it comes to that half court game. But, you know, players like that can go a lot of good places. You know, I don't know. They talk about Blake maybe going to the Lakers. What do you think about that? I'm for it. I want to see, I, honestly, I'm like, for me, I want to see LeBron win number six. No, sorry, number five, just because I, I, yeah, I appreciate what LeBron has done for the league and what he does outside outside the game. And me and you know me and Bobby argue about it. We were arguing about it last week about the goat who's who is the greatest of all time. Mm -hmm. Right now, I like to say, look, if LeBron wins a number five, I'm going with LeBron at one. You hear that, Leon? He's actually trying to leapfrog five and go right to goat status of six. He wants to just wipe Jordan out of the books, man. With uh, LeBron James. Well, 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 you know, this is what this look. For, okay, I have a couple of things to say about that. One, I just don't understand 
Um, why is it that LeBron James, by you people who love LeBron James so much, and I love and I, and I, and I give him all respect, dude, because he deserves it. Okay, hundred percent trust. But yo, know, like I don't understand how he just leapfrogs over Magic and Kobe, who got five. What? How does he leapfrog over them? You got him leapfrogging over them and Jordan. I'm like. Come on now, back up. A okay, little so bit. my thing right, is back up a little bit. Okay, he's he hasn't won a back to back, and Kobe's Kobe's won had Kobe's done a three peat and a back to back. Okay, all with one team. Okay, oh, wait, wait, and then he ain't got to tell me about Jordan. Wait, so and then you got Magic, right? Magic plays 12 seasons. He goes no, greatest league of all time. Magic. Wait, goes to the finals nine times, wins five. Yo, LeBron don't have that kind of record. And yo, how long would the Magic have even been playing if it wasn't for the AIDS thing? You know, see, he only gave us 12 years. How many finals would he went to? Okay, so my my argument to that is if LeBron wins this year. He's gone. He wins five. This is his fifth title. He went to eight straight NBA finals. Yes. Oh, here, we go. here we go, Leon. He'll be five and six in NBA finals, his career record. And we haven't seen a player, and, and that's in what, 17 seasons or 18 seasons? 11 finals in 18 seasons? That's on par with Magic. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, who knows what I'm saying? We don't know because Magic didn't play that long. And he didn't play that long not because of injury. Ed, I mean... Because of the AIDS thing. So no, I, I, Magic Johnson is my favorite Laker. What, I'm saying, I mean, so, what I'm saying is that if Magic had gone on, and he had, Magic had the type of game where it didn't rely on athleticism. So, shit, Magic still might be still playing today. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, he was never a jumper. He was never fast. You know what I'm saying? He just, it was all here. Tom Brady, the NBA. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that, you know, but but as far as, you know, listen, it's a team game, so it's hard to ever really accurately compare. But the one thing I do say is this, and I say this every time I'm on sports radio talking to anybody, come on, you cannot compare errors. LeBron is the best of this era, period. He's playing a different kind of game than the one Michael Jordan played and the one Jerry West played, okay? There's different games, okay? Steph Curry, who I love. Do you know if Steph Curry had played back when um, MJ and Iverson were playing? They'd throw his ass on the floor, his little ass be on the floor every damn game. He's lucky if he get a foul, okay? I mean, it's a different game. I mean, the game now is structured for more scoring, okay? So now these players, you can't put your hands on. Can you imagine if you couldn't put your hands on Michael Jordan? Could you imagine that? Did you see what he did when you could put your hands on him? No, I, I agree. He There's, was no 40. There's no way he is averaging less than 40 a game. There's no way. I say so it every I'm, week, Leon. You, you don't have to tell so me on that's, it. Right, that's what I'm saying. So we, you can't compare the errors. I get, give LeBron his error. Can, you can only compare someone to who they played against anyway. 
You need and to I, I totally get. It. I just I just do it because I love talking to Bobby about it. But my thing is like you know, I think you know LeBron is great, and it's funny how he, I think now as he's getting older, he's probably he's finally getting the credit he really deserves from people that don't like him because people don't like him for I don't know what what reason. The guy never gets in trouble. He's never gotten into trouble outside the game. He gives back. He does what he's supposed to do. And he comes out and plays, and he still gets hate. And that's what, for me, I, I love greatness, so that's why I support him. Do you know what, though? Let me tell you something. You're always going to get a certain amount of, um, you know, hate or people who don't are down with you if you um, if you boast, if you self-promote. If you do that, there are going to be people that don't like you, okay? Because in reality... What I do as an actor, entertainer, or I mean, ball is the same thing. What I think of myself doesn't mean anything. It's what you think of me. You don't want to watch it. You don't want paying. Okay? So I'm not going to tell you how good I am. Okay? I'm just not going to tell you that. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter. It only matters how good you think I am. Yeah, but some of those guys, I mean, Kobe Bryant gave himself a nickname. I mean, I mean, some of those guys get away with it because of their greatness. No, 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 no. They get away with it, and people still don't like them. Do you think there's people that liked Kobe Bryant when he was playing? You're talking about Kobe Bryant when he retired. Yeah, we love him now. We, we, I hate him. We hated him. He came to towns and destroyed people. <laughs> okay, they didn't like Kobe, unless you were like a fan. <laughs> I, I mean, to me... A Laker fan or not, you had to appreciate how great he was. Oh, kind no. of the same conversation. No, no. You know. Appreciating someone and liking them is two different Are two things. different things. Totally different. I appreciate Boston. I appreciate the Celtics. I appreciate the Patriots. But I don't like them. <laughs> you know, I, mean, man, I, I appreciate them, but I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say I like them. That's a good segue, too, in terms of questions, because before we let you go, I really wanted to know which curtains you like more, Ed <laughs> or mine. Are you going red tonight or are you going gold? Because if you're going to step in the arena, do you want to go through gold curtains or red ones? Well, that is the question, my friend. The decision is rather easy. Neither. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you mentioned it. <laughs> no, I, you, your your curtains and your camera are more centered, giving you a better appearance of your curtains than Edgar. But then again, you got to give Edgar a pass because he's new to the style game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and he admits it too. And that's how you know a guy's going to improve his life when he knows his flaws. <laughs> you know what I did want to ask you before you jump off is Serena. And Naomi Osaka, I know you're a big tennis fan. Big, you're big, um, big. And your thoughts on, you know, obviously watching Naomi, and she's the next one. And uh, yesterday, after the press conference was over, you know, Serena, they were asking her about, you know, um, retiring. It's just her last Australian Open, and she left the, you know, the press conference. She was crying. Um, how important is it? Do you think? I don't know if you know her personally. On her winning her 24th major. And do you think that she has a chance of winning winning her 24th major? Okay, so one, just going back a little bit about um, Osaka being the next one, she's not the next one. She is the one. Okay, she. I think she she is the um, 
the richest female tennis player already. And she's won the last two out of the last or three out of the last four slams. I mean, she's the one now. Okay. Um, can Serena um, win another major? Well, I would think that somebody who came off of um, a pregnancy, had a child, um, and has been what? Three years. Three out of the last five finals? Yeah. yeah. Three out of the last five finals. I don't think that's the time to be giving it up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, if, if you if you finish in number two, okay? And let's be honest with you. I mean, that game with Osaka, I mean, Serena played terrible. She did. I mean, I mean, she didn't she didn't give herself a chance to win. You know, and I think that's you know, and it's so funny because that's the question that the reporter asked that got her emotional. You know, like was it just a bad day at the office or whatever? And it's just like, you know, yeah, I mean, she she didn't give herself a chance to beat Osaka. And and I and I know as an athlete, that's what hurts the most. When I, I, you can beat me. If you beat me, I just give you props. We're all good. When I lose it myself, that's when it's hard to sleep. You know, when you know you lost, you, you, you didn't get beat, you lost. But the problem is, I think also it actually might be in her head, just for the simple fact that <clears throat> they faced four times. They've played each other four times. But the last three times, Osaka has won. Um, and handily, too. So... Well, yeah, on, on the big stage, whatever, she's really tough. And, and, and Osaka um, admires her so much, she won't even look at her during the match. You know, um, she's just so locked into beating her. Um, but, you know, it's like anything else. It's like, you know, Roger Federer and Nadal, anything else. You just know that when you're playing them, you have to bring your A game. I mean, look, look, Halep is no joke. Halep is top one, two, three all the time. She just ran through her. In the quarterfinals, Serena, six two six two, okay, and 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 Halep gets everything back, okay, and so but she didn't play that same game with Osaka. I mean, she just didn't, and she was hit so many unforced errors. Took her too long to get her serve going, and personally, as I watched her and watched her through the years, um, she's just way too emotional, just way too emotional out there. You know, it's just like, I think one thing about tennis, if you look at the tennis players that really do well, you know, they may have some outbursts and Frederick never does whatever, but for the most part, it's that cool head that prevails, you know? And I feel like she gets, she's just so in her feelings during the game that it makes it tough, you know, when things aren't going well. And I think that she needs to, if she can find some way of having more of a, a cerebral feeling out there, you know, when she's out there and just play her game. I mean, she's great. Just play your game, you know. Yeah, I just think she that she knows in the back of her mind, like, you know, now there's less time. You know, it's not like she's gonna be playing in you know Australian Open, the majors for the next three, four years. That she knows that she, chasing that one more, and obviously two more to break it, it, it weighs on a great player like her. Well, yeah. I mean, at her age, yeah. I mean, she's getting up there. I mean, she's, you know, she's past the point where most players would even be playing. So, and she's still that good, 
you know, I just think, you know, there's a lot of different things. You know, she's, she, you know, one of the things, her biggest problem, she's been injury prone. You know, she's had injuries and stuff. And, I, and you know, just from the eye test, uh, it would appear to me maybe she's carrying too much weight, you know, on those joints, you know. So um, I think this particular um, Australian woman, she looked like she slimmed down a bit and she was moving fantastic, you know, really moving well. You know, and I think, and you know, and but that's part of who she is right now. She's a mom. She's not no. She's no young, young girl anymore, and she's still killing it, still killing it. So, you know, I, just I think, think she's the that, greatest of all time, Leon. Yeah, and you know, and look, who is she? Who is she not beating? Osaka. That's it. Osaka's not gonna be there every time. She's not gonna be there every time. It's a big tournament. Someone's gonna knock her off before she gets to Serena. So if that is her one obstacle. And then also, I think Serena has not played her A game against Osaka either. So she owes her that. And then see if Osaka can beat her. Well, we definitely appreciate the uh, the basketball talk, the tennis talk, and, and of course, the curtain talk too, Leon. <laughs> Leon, I was going to say, um, uh, I know the city's about to open up. I know you're about, you're about to go back on tour. Um, can you tell us when's the next tour? And so people could uh, follow you and, you know, get some tickets. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what's happening, um, you know, as far as um, music is concerned. But, um, you know, I just wrapped um, City on a Hill on Showtime with Kevin Bacon. And that is how that premieres on March 28th on Showtime. Um, and then I'm about to go into something else, another series. So, um, you know, it depends on how many outdoor festivals is going to be. It depends on how things are going to open up. It's still so still so uncertain, you know. Um, so, but anyway, you can definitely reach me on Instagram at www.justleon. www.justleon. Three W's before the just because you know someone tried to take the Leon and try to get me to pay for it by just Leon. So I just put three W's and kept it moving. I got a few followers too. Thank you. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks again for the time tonight. Hey, hey. Appreciate it. Salute. Go Knicks. <laughs> Go Knicks. I tell my, my, I tell my mom that we chatted. All right, later. Before I said hello. All right, man. Later. <laughs> I think he likes my curtains more, my friend. <laughs> that was actually. I got good curtains, man. Stop hating, man. <laughs> you know who's had to sit through all of this, you know, curtain talk is our next guest, and we, we apologize for that. So we wanted to welcome in the former PR man of Dwight Howard. That's Superman. That was what the intro was all about. Senior manager of media relations and social strategy for You First Sports, Jared Rudolph, is with us tonight. Jay, what's going on? You guys see me okay? Yeah. It's a little dark. It's a little dark. It's not hey, there you go. Hey, oh, you got it's not curtains too. I guess that must be the theme of the night. This this curtain light is killing kill my eyes. What's going on, fellas? Nah, man. Doing good. How you been holding on? Well, you know, I'm maintaining, man. I like I, I like to be in the house. So yeah, so you know, obviously we know you're a big, huge uh, b-ball fan. Um, so far, what do you think about the All Star uh, lineup so far announced today? I just, I just see it. <laughs> huh? I just see. It. I, no, I, I didn't. I didn't. I saw my my cable went out. We had a um a winter storm here, so when Charles Kenny and Ernie and Shaq were talking about it, 
my TV went off. So I was watching Burn Notice. So I, Jay, I wish I was a little bit more prepared to talk we about. Got you, man. We got you. We'll put up Bradley, the Bradley Bill. Up. So Bradley Bill got voted in. I, I do know that, right? That's good to see because we, we're going to put up the West All Stars first, and then we'll show you the East too. How about that? Let's do it. I asked Edgar not to not to throw me any curveballs, but you know, we all two on that one. That's not his style at all. So there's our, our West stars. Of course, I'm okay. okay so, so I'm okay with with with. I I, I would have put Dame as a starter. 100%. I would have put Dame as a starter. Um, if if I could change anything, Dame is a starter, but I wouldn't move Luca out. I'd take Kawhi out. Wow. Uh, because Luca, you know, technically, you know, one, two, three, you know, he can go either way. Um, so but but Dame should be in the starting lineup. See, um, in my way. mind, Jared, I had I had Dame over Doncic in this lineup. Uh I don't have Dame over Doncic too right now. I, I don't know. That's close. That's I mean, close. I mean, obviously Joker's having an MVP season. Kawhi's Kawhi. LeBron is having a he, he's probably the Right now, the leading MVP person, yeah, Doncic is the only one. I mean, yeah, Jay, I, I, I like Dame in the starting lineup. You know, I, I like Luca and what he does. I know the team hasn't necessarily responded well, but if we're basing it, you know, around that and not, you know, fan votes or who people want, you know, people want to see Dame, and, and and it's been that way since he went and absolutely took over the bubble and did what he did there. You know, he's box office, so you know, all star game is a popularity contest, so all of those things factor in. And I would think that more people want to see Dame Lillard in the all star, especially what he's doing because he's in the MVP conversation as well, more so than Kawhi. So I mean, the I, I, you know, for him. I mean, he's averaging 29.8 points, 4.4 rebounds, 7.7 assists. Blazers are on a six game winning streak. And to be honest, and I think Ed would agree, I mean, he's doing all this and the team has been ravaged by injuries yeah now he's he's um shot last night to win that game he's, he's something special well i tell you i mean steph is steph and i don't think that we've ever seen anything like him but but dame man he he's just a hell of a ball player i mean he just he gets better each year and you know he's just so cool about the way he goes about doing things never too high never too low it reminds me of of carmelo like that type of you know, the vibe you get from watching him, but, you know, perhaps even better or different. But it's just really, really, you know, so much to like about Dame. He definitely should be in the starting lineup. And, you know, you never know what, what can happen between now and uh, the game. Are you happy yeah. with, the, with, the, with the way Dame has been so loyal to the Blazers and never, you know, asked to be traded? I mean, happy with it. I mean, it's his decision. I mean, I respect it, but I also will respect if he was to say, I've been here long enough. I think that we've exhausted all of our options and, you know, I'd like to play in a different situation, Um, you know, to each his own, right? Because even if you leave Portland or, you know, if you're a Dame, if you're a Brad Beal, if you're James Harden, if you're one of these guys and you want to go and fit into a, another situation and give it a run there, it's, it's not a guarantee 
that is always going to work out the way that you want it to work out, right? Like, where could Dame go right now that would put him in a position to automatically compete for a championship? It's great as he is. Where does he fit perfectly with, you know, you're just going to take off, right? So it's it's more to it than that. And, you know, you're comfortable and your family's comfortable and, you you know, you trust the organization and, and you're waiting, you're patient and you're confident in yourself and you want to compete. So everybody is different. I, you know, I wouldn't want to see him end up like like Garnett where he waits too long to make a move or things are, you know, they wait too long to put things in place where he really has a shot. But ultimately, it's his plane, and he has earned the right to fly it any way he wants to. And if that's going to be important the entire of his career, can't really fault him for that. Yeah, the only thing that guy can't do on a basketball court is put a mask on over a headset in a postgame interview. Yeah, he, no, he's he's a – and he's always been good, but it's just he he's different now. Ever since the bubble, and when he went into the bubble – he, he, he's just he hasn't come down off that planet. He went to an entirely different space and he's there and it's rarefied air. It's only but a few players that are in that space. You got a lot of good players in the league, but then you got guys that are just different. And, and this kid is different. And, you know, he, he looks to now be ready to take off and, and get even better than where he is now. So, you know, he's a hell of a player and definitely should be an all star starter. No doubt he'll he'll get the call. He'll be in Atlanta. So speaking of Atlanta, all the um, craziness going on, obviously with COVID, do you think uh, the All Star Game should be played? It's a business. You know, it, it's a business. Should it be played? I mean, you can make an argument that you know it it should and it shouldn't. Here's the reality of it: you have to trust the the league, right? You know, the the league is always done what is best for everyone. People may not necessarily agree with it in its entirety, but the NBA, in terms of taking the temperature of fans, owners, players, I think they do a good enough job of trying to figure out something that, that works for everyone. But it is a business, okay? So you have to do the best you can. And, and then in terms of the players, you know, look, some of them are not happy about going, but professional basketball. So it's a partnership. The league is going to put on this made-for-TV game. And the best ball players in the world are going to go and play in it. And the key word here is professional. There's an expectation that the league is going to provide with these players what they need to be safe. And these players are going to do what they need to do to stay safe so that this game goes over and this thing doesn't become a super spreader, right? Key word being professional. Best league in the world, best players in the world. So I think ultimately it'll be okay. Um, but we're, we're in different times and everyone is taking a loss. And if, if you keep now eliminating things, especially top item things from the product that you're serving, then, you know, ultimately it, it's going to hurt the bottom line and everyone is going to be affected. Right. So it's not, you know, players, players, families, concession owners, you know, like it, it, it matters to try to keep things going, because if you keep things going then people are employed, I mean, they could shut the whole thing down and wait until, you know, everyone is, is given an OK or enough people are given an OK with people you know, don't get the virus, but then a lot of people will be out of work. So, you know, you, you kind of have to look at it both ways. I think if you're playing games on a day-to-day -day basis, then you can play the all-star game. Now, where the communication breakdown came where, you know, the belief was there wasn't going to be an all-star game, there was going to be an all-star team name, and, and guys feeling like they, you know, they got hit with, with the okey-doke. I, I get it. But, again, professional basketball, this is a, a, a big deal, this all-star game, and getting it off is going to continue to – 
you know, keep a certain level of money in there. And, you know, ultimately everybody's trying to make as much money as they can and not derail the product so much that when everything is back to whatever the new normal is going to be, that you don't have to completely rebuild, right? You want to reshape it. You want to keep what works, get rid of what doesn't, but you don't want to break it down and rebuild it from, from start to finish. So trying to keep them as normal and functioning as much as possible and how that looks in comparison to how it was looked in the past, you got to do it. So there's going to be a, a finals. There's going to be an all-star game. There's going to be a Super Bowl. I would imagine it's going to be a World Series and an all-star game so long as these leagues are coming up with ways to keep guys as safe as they possibly can and, you know, and, you know, turn a profit. I mean, it, it is a business at the end of the day, so I get it. You know, Jared, in the comments, you actually had given the GOAT, the real GOAT, some love. You said, by far, Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. So I wanted to put that out there because I know it's going to be something that upsets Ed. So that's, well, I, I know, mean, Ed knows what it is. I mean, it, it's, it's not close. And, you know, the league isn't set up for any of these guys to surpass Michael Jordan. You know, the analytics and, you know, the elimination of, uh, you know, a consistent interior presence, um, like real role players, you know, so much screen and roll. It, it's like LeBron is, is is great. The greatest of his era. When that era, you know, whether it's still his era, whether it's Steph's era, that's an interesting debate. But, you know, LeBron is the best. But it's it's positioned that way. The game is so wide open that a, a guy that big, that skilled, LeBron can play until he's 50. Um, so long as his body doesn't break down, he's going to be effective. At, at some point, the league has to look at giving perimeter defenders the same type of advantages that perimeter offensive players have. You know, guys have gotten so creative because you can't touch them and you can't do anything. So you have the step backs and people throwing them between their legs and doing stuff. And that's cool. But basketball still works. As the, as the offense on the wing has progressed, you have to give the defense a chance to catch up. Or you're going to have games that are, you know, 170 to 210, and that's bad for everybody. You just don't need that. And I think that playing in, in those that type of circumstances, that counts. All of that matters because if you're comparing errors to errors, if you put Michael or Charles or Magic, I mean, can you imagine how many assists Magic Johnson would average in a game where he can always call for a high screen and roll and he has shooters everywhere around him? He, he'd get 20 assists tonight. Jordan scored close to 45, 50 points because you, you can't do anything. There's, there's nothing you can do to impede progress. And there is no Patrick Ewing. A lot. There's, there's these guys, Jordan doesn't have to dunk on them. He's dunking on guards now, right? So it, it, it's different, and I don't think it's fair to, to compare. But you do have to factor in the way the game is played now. And, and my hope is that for basketball purposes, that wing defenders are given an opportunity to compete on the same level as, as wing offensive players. And right now, I don't think that's the case. All right. So we talk about wing players, though. We had one of the greatest power forwards of all time. Um, I think it was last week, say that 20 years, uh, Kevin Garnett, he said 20 years ago, those players 20 years ago, back in his day, a lot of those players can't play in today's era. Cap. Huh? Cap. You, he said, you said Cap? Yes, yeah, Cap. I don't know who he's capping for. That's Cap. Why? Look, if you if you're a great player, you can play like you can play LeBron James in any era he can play, right? You put Steph Curry in any era he's going to play. I think what happens is the imagination of the coaches. Not every coach would be able to coach in different eras, right? If you're Kevin Garnett, you'd be able to play now 
easier than you. Like, what are you going to do? Kevin Garnett can play on the inside, can play on the outside. How would you deal with that guy, right? If okay. everyone Steph is Curry a uniform, would get beat up 20 years ago. You said who now? Steph Curry would get beat up 20 years ago. Maybe, may, maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But even 20 years ago, we'd never seen that combination of someone that could shoot like that off the bounce. You either have one or the other. So he's going to be able to free himself. Right, no different than Isaiah can free himself because he can put the ball on the floor. If you can play, you can play. Now, how effective you would be in different eras, that's going to be based on how you you use. So, a lot of the guys that are playing in this era will be used differently if they were playing in the '90s and 2000s, and, and vice versa. But you you're going to tell me that Charles Barkley couldn't play in this? Era. Charles Barkley was the original small small guy getting the ball off the glass, taking it coast to coast, could play on the perimeter, could play in the interior. How, how could Charles Barkley not play in this era? How could Kevin Garnett not play in this era? How could Tim Duncan not play in this era? Like basketball still works, all because they tell you that shooting a bunch of threes is some type of equalizer. And if you trade threes for twos that you're going to win, that, that, that's not basketball. That, that's an equation that might factor into something, but it's not about coming off the screen. It's not about how to defend. Like, basketball still matters. And if you can play basketball, then you're going to be able to find a place in this league. And I think that the guys in Kevin Garnett's era and ever before that were better basketball players. And I think that uh, we see a lot of athletes now in a wide-open league, and that's why you see so much duplication. You know, it, it, it's a very top-heavy league, and then when, when you get down to the role players of it all, not, you know – you know, it's a lot to be desired because everyone does the same thing. Guards call for a high screen and roll, go down the lane, shoot a floater. They don't know how to make an interior pass. They don't know how to play without the ball. And you can't say that about guys in, in the early 2000s because you had to be able to, to to play basketball. Like So, again, you get a Dale Ellis and you put him in his area. He knows how to come off screens and spot up and, and throw a ball fake and go to the basket. You're going to tell me that in this wide open NBA that Dale Ellis wouldn't potentially be an all-star as cap. No, I, I don't know who I don't know who he was, you know, trying to pacify, but it's cap, but he tends to do I that. You and what probably averaged almost 30 in this era. Yeah, you, you how could Great. Patrick Ewan? Yeah, just you know, you case, just to let you know, Bobby, Bobby C, the greatest jump shooting center of all time. Just want to put put it out. Yeah, he be, he he lived at the free throw line on side screen and rolls. If you can play, you can play. David Robinson would be great. And, and and look, I know people Shaq would like what what could you possibly do with if you're not teaching big men to be big men anymore, and you get a guy that big that you're not supposed to be that size and that quick and that agile. How would you possibly do anything with that man? Or oh, we put him in a screen and roll on defense. All right, but they they did that a little bit too. The Kings did that, and it worked to some success. But ultimately, you gotta guard him. You gotta you gotta guard that guy. And at some point, you got to double them. At some point, you got to triple them. Like, come on. I mean, basketball is basketball, and it still works. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of, you know, a lot of this, this stuff looks like YMCA. Guys just coming down and screen and roll and dribble, dribble, dribble and shooting. And that ain't basketball. I mean, it it's a part of it, but that's not all of it. And I, I think that you can make a case Ewing is the greatest Nick of all time. It's either him or Walt Frazier. My book. It's Patrick by far. Yeah, I, I, I can I can go with that. I can live with that. I can live with Patrick. Patrick Ewing. I mean, I mean, he's you know. Yeah, I can live. I can live with Patrick. I'm not even. Walt, not I, even I, 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 like Walt Frazier was great, and people put Walt Frazier great because he won titles. But Patrick is the greatest Nick of all time. 
and nobody's gonna. I don't care what people say about it. No, I think you can live with that. I mean, I think. Look, we talk about Walt. You talk about Willis. Uh, you know, you gotta count the fact they were able to get to the mountaintop. They also didn't have to go through Michael Jordan. So, you know, Michael changed everyone's fortunes. And Patrick was a winner until not being able to get that title in the NBA. Yeah, and, and they didn't. You didn't not win because of of Ewing, right? Like it wasn't. It wasn't on him. He did his job. You know, you know, Starks had an off shooting night and, you know, it was three for 18, three for 19. You know, he had an off night at the wrong time. And the Rockets were pretty good. I mean, a lot yeah, of pretty good, good but, you know, he, he and Vernon Max, he and Vernon Maxwell kind of doppelgangers. Right. So at one, some point, somebody was going to be off and Starks had the off game and Maxwell, if I'm not mistaken, in that game seven played fairly well. So there was a trade off. Whichever of those guys played better at that time, the team was going to win the title. Vernon got Jared definitely loved the perspective and I'm, I'm sure some of our fans recall your days as a sports writer you've done PR and, and and of course sports writing I wanted to kind of put you back in that in that same role for a question that I had for you tonight you know some trending NBA news this week is courtesy of Draymond Green so Green puts together these comments that were instigated by the Cavs and and the treatment of of Andre Drummond so of course you know all the talk is about you know, Jared Allen in Cleveland and the fact that they plan to trade Drummond and that's been made public. You know, Green goes and sounds off about the double standard between teams and players. Do you think that this latest speech by Draymond is a sign that the control of the black athlete might be in its final days? Well, it depends on what the black athlete does to, you know, to you know, Jerry Mark can scream from, the, from top of the hill. He, he has a point that has been made many, many times before. Uh, but it, it really depends on what the black athlete decides to do with the power. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's really up to the black athlete. You know, so it, I, I like to see what's going to happen. I, I, I'd like to, you know, I'm a black man, 41 years old. I, I would love to see these brothers uh, take some control and, and, and create some some consistent mutual respect because certain every situation is different. Um, in, in my day, you showcase the guy when you were going to move him so you can get more from him. You sit him. You kind of devalue him. So I, I don't quite understand it from from that perspective. But I also don't know what's going on behind closed doors and, and, and what the the circumstances behind that specific situation is. So it, it's really difficult to say. Generally speaking, yes, there's always been this perception that the player, LeBron, is wrong for leaving Cleveland and going to Miami and taking a better job. But if they felt like they had run their course with LeBron and they moved him to, to rebuild, that it was just part of the business. It's all business. And I think from a fan perspective, uh, that it needs to be less personal when a guy decides to take a better job, because that's what it is. If I'm if I'm Bradley Bill and I decide that, you know, my job in Washington is no longer the job for me and I want to go elsewhere. I'm looking for a better job. People do that on a day to day basis. It's, it's business. Right. Or if the franchise decides, you know what, let's let's move him in and get something while we can before he gets hurt or, you know, before the productivity falls off. It, it's a business. Fans personalize it. But players now are feeling more empowered as they should they are the commodity they are the driving force behind the league so just create the consistent respect that you like to see but it's up to them to, to stand up and to do something about it you can say anything you want it's about what you're going to do so how are you going to create that consistent respect that consistent mutual respect between the players and the team i think they do a a, a good job 
most of the time. And certain things slip through the cracks. So what can we do to consistently create that? And, and that's up to them. They have the power. Um, I was listening to a conversation um, on Clubhouse and uh, Jared Jeffries, uh, former Nick. My man. Was talking and they were talking about player um, empowerment. And one of the things, and this is actually a good question with, with for you because you deal with so many athletes, is um, he thinks that eventually uh, reporters will be phased out and players will have their own like clubhouses or uh, either clubhouse or they'll be like, hey, meet me on clubhouse so I can do my post game. And then he'll have like, if, if he has a certain uh, relationship with certain reporters, they could go on his clubhouse and could ask, they could ask questions. Because he feels like uh, the narrative has changed with too many, there's too many reporters and they they want to say whatever they want to say. And he they want to be able to control the narrative. Um, do you think that's a good idea that players, that that would happen and where players pretty much would control pretty much the post-game press conferences on their own, and it won't be just like how how it used to be. No, that ain't never going to happen. Look, um, controlling the narrative, it, it, it is, you know, obviously I went to college and I've been in locker rooms, but my philosophy in doing the business was built from watching Stephon Marbury. Um, Stephon and Mike Tyson mostly, and, and a lot of Dwight. And it was about the importance of controlling the narrative. Um, but that's not done on a case-by-case -case basis. That's done on a day-to-day -day basis because you have to build up goodwill. or you, and you have to build – so what happens is you build up goodwill, you give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Then if you're averaging 20 and 8 but the team's not winning, you can't get criticized for, for being a point guard that's not doing the job, and then everyone just buys into that. That's what happened with Steph, right? You know, Steph was putting up the numbers in New York. The team wasn't winning. All of a sudden, it would question his skills as a point guard. But it was it was more to the story. But because he never controlled the narrative, that's how he was painted. Now, again, this is a business. This is a machine. And part of the machine is to generate fan interest and curiosity. And no one does that better than the NBA. But that is a partnership with the media. Now, you got good reporters and you got bad reporters. And you have guys that have the ability to control their own narrative and tell their own story, whether that be so through social media or through various other activations. There needs to be an interest and an understanding from an individual player standpoint as to how to monetize that and how to control it. And that doesn't happen. You get a lot of guys on a day-to-day -day basis, turning down interviews where they have an opportunity to tell their story the way they want it told, right? But you don't want to do it because of some preconceived notion that everyone in the media is the same way. No, you control your story. You control the narrative until you decide to give it away. And the moment you now give it away, you can't get upset and want to get it back when it's out of your control. That's why you must always, oh, like the great ones, the, the, the great ones, magic. Grant Hill, Jordan, they all had magnificent relationships. Even LeBron, not to leave him, they have magnificent relationships with the media. Now, they may have guys that they trust and they deal with more than others, but they always control the narrative. So then when there is a misstep, you're in a position to recapture it and get things under control. Most guys aren't doing the, the work on a day-to-day -day basis to gain that control because there isn't an interest in dealing with the media. It's not about, you know, 
media verse athlete and you know this reporter no everyone look this there's nobody across the world there's not a hundred percent productivity in any job there's some really shitty reporters out there okay i, I know some per- really shitty reporters and there's some really good reporters and there's some really reporters in the middle that are on their way up how you choose to interface with them on a day-to-day basis the opportunities that you choose to take how you choose to activate and what you're trying to build that's going to control your ability to navigate throughout this world when the ball stops bouncing right and a, a lot of guys just don't get it so no this idea that i'm going to control my own um, post-game press conference based on what? Let's keep it a buck. Everyone in the locker room is not getting interviewed post-game, right? And post-game is about the game, okay? What about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? See, the way I built my relationships with, with players was I understood that it was a relationship. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna speak to you post-game, and, and certain times you're not going to like my opinions. But when you're doing charity events, like, I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. Like, you know, when you're playing well, I'm going to write the feature that's not about the, the post game. I'm going to talk about how you've performed over the last 10 games or how you've improved from season to season. And you build relationships and, and guys trust you. Right. So then when you do have to write the bad game and look, I, I love Dwight. He's my brother. But no one is more critical than Dwight Howard than I am. No one. And he understood that that, that was part of the job. But he also understood that when he was throwing charity games, all right, I'm writing about that. When he was playing well for Team USA and wasn't getting love, I'm going to write about that, right? You build a relationship. So guys guys have to take time, no, no different than the way they, they, you know, learn about finances and, and learn about businesses and learn about brand building. You have to take the time to learn about media and how to relate to the media and, and how to use it to your advantage and understand that you control the narrative until you don't. You have to take an active interest in building your rapport with the media and with the public. And if you do that, there are going to be so many more opportunities to fall into place. But don't act, don't like, don't not take a part in the, 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 the building or, or the shaping of the narrative and then get pissed off when someone writes something that doesn't you know, doesn't fit your taste. No, that's on you because you've decided that you were going to neglect the day-to-day process of building the narrative. And you just can't do that. You just can't. Not if you want it to mean something. Now, if you don't care if, if somebody shit on you and you're just going to take that old approach for all that haters and all this other stuff, then fine, do what you're doing. But if this bothers you and if you are concerned about relating to the public and controlling the narrative and having a say in how your story is written, then be involved. Take the interview, do the shows, do the work. Learn the craft, because if you just think a bunch of brothers in the locker room with phone doing their own post games is going to work for anybody, especially them, you're sadly mistaken. You do that. People now lose less interest in the game. The league can't advertise. It's all a machine. It all works together, man. And I'm sorry to be the long winded, but this is what I do. I deal with guys. They have great interview opportunities in front of them. They're like, nah, I don't want to do it. You're like, why? No reason. But then as soon as Shaq or, or, or Chuck, or some some beat writer talks about how they're struggling. They're a hater. No, fam, like you got to do the work. You got to do the work. So if 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 you feel like the opinion that is being given about you is wrong, what can you point back to other than your feelings? Show me something. What are you doing on a day to day basis to gain that interest? With fans going like, nah, wait a minute, no hate. He's averaging this amount of points and this amount of, re- and this is how it's affecting the team. His defensive rating is there. What are you doing to participate in that? If you're not participating, stop complaining. 
No, Jared, I see that you got the Lakers-Nets game on in the background there. Shift gears, talk a little bit about that matchup tonight. Nets are actually winning that game uh, late in the second quarter. And uh, no AD for the Lakers, no KD for the Nets. You know, your thoughts in terms of this litmus test for this first big showdown. Do you think Do you think we end up seeing the Nets and the Lakers in the finals? The Nets decide to play a little bit of defense is a possibility. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, I mean, they play. But I think, you know, we'll see what happens. The, the six is like a piece of two away. Um, and, 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 you know, don't don't forget to leave like Joel Embiid. He, he, you know, realistically, he's probably the MVP. I know they've lost a few games, but he's played amazing. And, you know, this is a guy on any given night could be the best player in the world. I think they need a point guard, though. Um, somebody that really kind of helps set and, and put everything together in less duplication. Uh, you know, you're always a piece away, depending on what that piece or who becomes available. You know, with Blake Griffin, like, you know, possibly being out there and Andre Drummond, you never know where these guys end up. I think what we're going to see is a damn good playoffs. And I think that whoever wins it is going to have to work for it. You never count LeBron James out, but Kevin Durant has looked great since he got back. And that's a lot of firepower to have out there. How Steve Nash puts it together and whether they can get big stops. Um, you know, how they match up with people, that's going to be very, very important because the game slows down in the playoffs. And when you look at a team like the Sixers, when you can pound it inside and you have shooting on the outside, you're always going to have a shot because they're going to have those boys moving if they decide to play defense. If they don't, you know, you make it easier for Ben Simmons to now go down the lane and score and do a lot of different things. So, I mean, I think on paper you have to make them the favorites, but this is not NBA 2K. It's real-life basketball. And you got to play the games and you never know what can happen. Totally. I totally agree. I totally, well, you know, we'll see what happens, though. Let's, we'll see. I appreciate you coming on, Jared. I definitely, you know, you're my brother. You know, I love you to death. Great stuff. My man, Edgar, you <laughs> took the hood off. You was looking like the emperor from Star Wars earlier. I thought you were going to have the hood on again. Yeah, yeah. I was about the lightning bolts is going to start coming out your hand. Yeah. <laughs> Word. All right, thank you, brothers. I appreciate you guys for having me, man. I hope thank I wasn't too long-winded, but if I was, say, it is what it is. Garrett, yeah, Garrett, you're, you're always, always long-winded. <laughs> Pays the bills, Edgar. He's been paying the bills for quite some time. <laughs> Later. Well, Ed, great show tonight. You know, definitely want to thank our guests, Leon and Jared Rudolph, and uh, – just excited to see how this Lakers Nets uh, matchup finishes up. That might be a to get off. Your phone's blowing up like usual. <laughs> but definitely want to thank our guests tonight, and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of the game. Bob, uh, I, I feel like you lost energy today. Like, what's going on? Well, I mean, I, I, I just, you know, was just kind of being chill on the way out here. I mean, Le- Leon, kind of, Leon, Leon kind of set the chill. I mean, from last week. What's going on? JR set the chill vibe, too. So, you know, maybe that's what it is. It's like kind of a mellow show. No, but, you know, um, obviously we, we come back next week, but I want to wish you a happy early birthday. Oh, goodness. You really uh, hurt my feelings bringing it up as much as I love the wishes. You know, I'm just another year older here. Uh, wishing you nothing but, you know, more love, more blessings. You know, I hope you achieve, you know, more Thanks, goals that you have, uh, that you're striving for. I, and- I, try, I try my best, Ed, to, you know, like to kind of cut out all the gray hairs when I'm shaving now, you know, like I just like trim them out, you know, so that it can't be seen at a sign of age here, I guess. Nah, you, you look good for your age, man. We don't have to put on blast to say your age, but you look good for your age. I'm all good with it. And, you know, 
Rand, Randy, Randy Cruz is shouting you out. Happy birthday, Bobby C. And you know, you know how we feel about you. I love you, man. I mean, there's no doubt. You know, whether we're stepping in the arena or however you want to phrase it, you know, I, I love doing the podcast with you. Into the arena. You know why, right? There's two <laughs> into the arena. There's two of us. <laughs> well, we've gone OT here again on Step Into the Arena. And uh, again, as we mentioned before, just want to thank our guests and appreciate the love, Ed, and uh, can't wait to do this again next week. All right, 10 next, o'clock, week, 10 o'clock next week. Yeah, I think 10 o'clock next yeah. week. Thank All right, you. sounds good. Talk to you later, Ed. All See right, you next time.